Hey guys, you're in the right place and it's exactly the right time because you've got the time. You picked it. You got the time to listen right now and we're about to break down the Detroit Lions draft. So let's get going. This is DWMOD. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. Stay with me now. Hey, the Pistons are scrappy, but it's quickly looking like we got all our balls in that lottery bag. Down! Hut! 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 Hey, it's 2023, and they still haven't put Sweet Lou Whitaker in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Knock it off. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! For everybody that was laughing at Dan Campbell, he has delivered everything that he has promised. And now the NFL world is bathing in the grit and drinking the Kool-Aid of the Detroit Lions. The man is the coach of the year. Everybody's up in arms about a college football playoff expansion. Make it 8, make it 10, make it 16, it doesn't matter. In five years, the two super conferences known as the SEC and the B1G will have their own individual playoffs, and those two teams will meet in the college Super Bowl. Bet on it. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Well, the draft came and went, guys. It came and went with a lot of controversy, especially for Lions fans. People are all over the board with how they felt about it, man. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Some people just scratching their head, didn't know what to think about it, right? And before we go any further, man, let me just apologize for my voice right now. Um, Obviously, real congested, got a cold going, can't get rid of it. But I'm fine. Everything's good. Just voice is a little off. But I'm still going to make my points. But before we get to that, (laughs) stay with me now. We got to do a couple of quick hits. Hey, first off, big congratulations to us here at the show, right? I mean, hey, let's tip of the cap to ourselves on this one, right? We follow the draft every year. We put our draft picks out every year, and you know how we score it every single year. If you get an exact hit, you get three points, and if you are right on the team's position that they drafted, you get a point. And then we go head-to-head with the experts, McShay and Kuiper. These guys know way more about this stuff, guys. I, I am not in denial about that. These guys have way more information and know way more about this kind of stuff and and all the picks that I make are based on the information that these guys and a lot of other experts put out there now I'm not saying they're mock drafts you know by looking at my draft I I don't go off their mock drafts but I do go off a lot of their their player evaluations I know the team's needs by looking at the rosters and looking at the team needs and I'll go by player evaluations and then I'll take who I think the GM would take anyway this year uh, McShay won this year. Okay, he totaled 18 points with five exact hits. All right, we came in second place, man. 13 points with three exact hits, man. Five behind McShay and two exact picks behind McShay and, and Kuiper bringing up the rear. He only got 10 points and two exact hits. So pretty good draft for us this year and pretty happy about that because, hey, I got a lot of comments from people that, man, your draft looks crazy compared to other people's mock drafts. But at the end of the day, it was pretty good, man. We nailed it. We did pretty well. Also, we're not going to do any baseball on this episode, but real quick, man, let's give some credit to the Detroit Tigers right now. Seems like they're turning the corner. Had some guys called up, shifting the lineup around a bit. The pitching is looking okay. It's starting to settle in a little bit. At the back end of the bullpen, we're starting to settle in a little bit. Guys are starting to hit. And quick fact for you. 
in the first month of the season, the Tigers had what was was picked as the toughest, well, rated as the toughest schedule in Major League Baseball for the first month of the season. Now, from this point moving forward, we have one of the easier schedules in Major League Baseball. So who knows what can happen here today, man? I mean, we just swept the Mets and Chase Scherzer in the third inning. Won both games with a doubleheader today, man. So let's go, Tigers. <laughs> A big congratulations to the Florida Panthers for knocking off this year's President Trophy winner of the NHL, the Boston Bruins. They shattered all the regular season records, and the curse of the President's Cup rears its ugly head. But one quick question, though, and I'm not sure what the answer is. Um, has there ever been a President's Cup winner then fall to an eighth seed and knock off that season's President's Cup winner? Because that's what happened. The Florida Panthers won the President's Cup last year for best record in the league. This year, they barely scrape into the playoffs as the eighth seed and knock off this year's President's Cup winner. So that's crazy, man, and that's why sports is at it for the victory again, man. Way to go, Panthers. Keep it rolling. <laughs> and now some things I got some beef with, guys. Oh, sports media, can we please stop giving attention to guys like Dylan Brooks? I mean, Dylan Brooks looked like the love child of John Travolta's character in Battlefield Earth and a Klingon, I would say. But, I mean, can we just stop giving these guys the attention for saying crazy shit? Like they just, he just knows you get on there, I'm the villain and talk about LeBron and type. This guy ain't even one of their better players, man. He's a defensive player that can't shoot. And then we make him a star in the media for this. And now look at the backlash, man. They're not bringing him back. He's, he's done. I mean, he'll probably get picked up somewhere in the league, but I don't know. At least maybe there's some ramifications now. Maybe people won't just run their mouth for attention to stuff they know they can't back up. This guy knew he couldn't back this up, man. So I don't know why we just don't turn our head and be like, okay, we're not running with that story, man. Just knock it off. All right, everyone. Time to do me a favor and knock it off. Hey, let's everybody knock off the James Harden hate, all right? Now, hey, knock it off ain't always just a period for us to talk about things that are irritating the hell out of us, right? Sometimes we can make knock it off a positive here, right? I mean, James Harden finally showed up and had a big playoff game, and Bede sat out, and he went into Boston and knocked off the Celtics in game one, and my man showed out like old-school Harden, man. So for at least one more day, all you Harden haters got to knock it off. All right, everyone. Time to do me a favor and knock it off. And my last order of business, I mean, it ain't even down the street of sports here, guys. Uh, it's about all this AI, man, and this chat GTP or GPT. I mean, this this thing is getting crazy. I mean, we are now, I never really thought much about this, man, but now we are at this point where this thing has caught up to where we are at in society and is flying at a million miles an hour. I mean, by the end of next month, this thing's going to be in the year 3000 with the shit that it can figure out and it can do. And it's starting to get crazy. It is really starting to get crazy, man. We need to turn this thing down. They are starting to use it to generate photos that, I mean, this is beyond Photoshop, man. It looks real. They are now generating and imitating people's voices, but not just their voices, like their inflections and speech patterns. Like uh, somebody shared a, a song with me, like uh, New York State of Mind by Nas, and they took Nas' lyrics out and they put Biggie in there singing all the original lyrics by Nas, but in, in Biggie's own inflections and tone man like the computer was programmed with all of his stuff 
and it spit him out actually doing that thing like in it felt like it was live like he was feeling the music in the moment it was crazy man and this is getting too far hollywood's now starting to use this thing to edit films and shows to write scripts to stuff and it's getting absolutely crazy with the stuff that they're doing with this in another couple of months man we won't know what's true and what's not anymore Everybody will just be on TV like, well, that ain't me. Somebody put that together in AI. Well, that's AI. That ain't me. I mean, there's rumors right now that all Britney Spears' new music is all AI and it's not really her. And so, I mean, I don't know, man. Listen, the only thing that they should be able to allow to use this thing for is science, right? Like they should just be able to walk in the room and say, hey, chat GBT, uh, cure cancer. Okay. Oh, you got it. Bam. Done. Cancer cured. I mean, that's all we should be able to use this for right now. It's crazy, man. They got to knock it off. All right, everyone, time to do me a favor and knock it off. And now let's get to the meat here, guys. Let's talk about some stuff that really did happen. We know it wasn't invented in a computer. We saw it. It was the NFL draft. Now, people are landing all over both sides of the fence on what the Lions did. So let's just get a quick recap moving into this thing on where the Lions were, right? Biggest issues needed to be addressed in the offseason, the secondary and defensive line right we're all in agreement on that the pundits the experts you know some of you knuckleheads weren't i had morons coming at me all over social media that were just complete buffoons that all with the same quotes that they always come at you with these buffoons i've watched enough football i know what's happening uh d line just needs to hold their gap uh, in freshman football that's correct um, you know, just ridiculous things. The next thing out of their mouth is, well, we're, they're the people in the stands at the game. Y'all, we're not blocking. Uh, thanks, genius. You guys be quiet and go away. All the experts and, and pundits that tear this stuff apart agreed. It was secondary and defensive line is where we needed the most help. Uh, we addressed the secondary big time in the offseason, right? We got both the CJs, right? We got CJ Moore. We got CJ Garner Johnson, two good safeties. One left the Super Bowl Eagles. The other left an offer from the Patriots to come in. These guys are good. They're good football players. And corner was a big problem, right? I mean, we traded away Akuda. That's what we thought of him. And you all know where I stood on the Akuda thing uh, years ago. You, you do not rebuild by drafting a corner number three, and then three years later you're throwing up your hands wondering why this guy didn't develop as a, as a lockdown corner and be able to cover guys on routes. Well, let me tell you why. Because your team stunk, and you picked a guy that is supposed to be covering passes, to put it simply, and his job for three years while we were getting our ass beat was to just tackle ball carriers because everybody's up on us, and they're just running the clock out. So for three years, you got this undersized guy out there just tackling ball carriers. Yeah, he's not getting any work. Yeah, he's not developing. Why do you think he's not developing? Anyway, I was long-winded on that three years ago. What a stupid, stupid move that was. But they moved off of him. You know, they traded him away. And, and I hope he does better, man. I, I hope he goes somewhere and gets a fresh start. He deserves it, man. Nobody deserved to be put in that spot. You're going to come in the league to play in the secondary and be a lockdown corner, and then you're going to go to a team that's down 40 points in the second half every week, and you're doing nothing but pick yourself up off the floor as running backs are just trouncing you you know so good luck to him moving forward but back to where my point we also brought in a couple of good cornerbacks man we bring in Cameron Sutton he leaves the Steelers I mean guys are leaving good teams who are good players to come and play for us and that's a great thing man Emmanuel Mosley leaves the 49ers who are a front runner for the Super Bowl this year he comes in to play corner so the secondary addressed really really hard in the offseason and looks a lot better I'm not gonna say short up but man does it look a hundred times better going into to the draft now 
experts and everybody and and Vegas odds were saying we were probably going to take Witherspoon with the fifth pick. And nobody would have been mad about that. The dude's going to be great, and we could use the help at corner. But we will never know if that was the plan because he went at five to the Seahawks right before us. So at that point, we're sitting at six, and here's where we're going to pick up what I think happened on draft day in that Lions draft room. I absolutely think defensive line was a major, major concern, and they were ready to address that in this draft for sure. Carter is available right there at six. Now, they brought the guy in. They talked with him. He's got some issues. They didn't like him, and I'm telling you what, I'm going to trust him on that. I have no reason to not trust these guys if they wanted to pass on him and don't think he was a good fit. That's great. So they adjust right there and decide that another defensive lineman in that six spot, probably not the value you want to go with, and they trade down to acquire some picks. And they trade down to acquire some picks and get a pick at the top of the second round, pick number 34, and there are a lot of defensive linemen in this draft, very defensive line heavy. So are you going to get the best one at 34? No, but you're probably going to get a really good one in that spot so we can address some of the other things we want to address first. That's what I think that they were thinking. And I'm, I'm good with that logic. I'm completely fine with that plan. I think it was a good plan. If you're not going to take the best one on the board at six, trade back, Take what you're looking to get at 12 and 18. You got two picks here coming up, 12 and 18 now. And at the top of the second round, there should be a defensive lineman that is a, everyone probably had rated as a first-round pick available for us to get. Sound logic. I'm behind it. Then at 12, we take the running back Gibbs, and everybody's throwing their hands up. You don't take a running back in the first round. What are we doing? Why would we do that? And then you just got to sit there and think about it for a minute, man. Everybody's like, you, B. John Robinson, everybody thought was going to be top 10. And everybody acted as if, and then the Lions panicked because they wanted to get B. John, but he wasn't there, so they took Gibbs. Guys, this is a professional draft room, man, with guys that deserve our trust at this point. Dan Campbell and Holmes are not morons, okay? They clearly had... Gibbs rated on their draft board right up there with Bijan. And I would argue that they probably were in a position to say, hey, let's trade back. We like Bijan. Maybe we grab Bijan if he's there, but we are completely comfortable right now taking whoever falls to us from either one of these guys. And I think based on Holmes' track record on how he likes analytics and what a pass catching, a dominating pass catching running back Gibbs is, they might have had Gibbs rated a little higher than Bijan. But the point is, they were clearly okay with who they got. They didn't trade back going, fingers crossed we get Bijan, and if we don't, well, then we'll overreach and take another guy. They clearly had this guy ranked right up there with him, and at 12, they feel like they got their guy. Now, also felt a little silly to Lions fans because we had DeAndre Swift, and we just went out and signed Montgomery, uh, give him some money too. Both those guys are very injury prone, man. So bringing in another running back kind of made sense. And it almost had to feel as if maybe they were going to trade Swift eventually or something. Yeah, which we all found out later on happened. They were trying to shop him around. And by the end of the day, they were going to give him away for a ball bag if they could, which they basically did a fourth rounder five years from now or something. I know it's not five years from now, but a four yard a fourth rounder a, a couple of years from now. And we moved up a little in the seventh. So yeah, they were looking to dump him hard. Now we know that. So Gibbs at 12, great pick. A lot of people think he's going to be a fantastic running back. And you know, we want to run the ball in this offense and we want to get the ball to the running back in a flats. This guy fits the bill. They grab him 
everybody's major draft board had this guy ranked in the top 15 or better as far as players in the draft. So this is not a bad pick, okay? This is not a bad pick at all, and their plan is fine at this point. Hey, we grab our running back here at 12 that we want. We love both these guys. So they do that. They get Gibbs. Now we're on to the 18th pick, and we've acquired some draft capital, right? Then this takes us to the 18th pick. Now, with the 18th pick, we take Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa, right? Um, probably rated the number one Mike linebacker in the draft, not the number one linebacker. This felt like a big reach. I mean, there wasn't anybody on the stage that wasn't shocked when this happened by any means. But again, I, I'm going to I'm gonna trust these guys until I don't trust them anymore. I was shocked as well with this pick. I thought it was a reach, but in a little bit here on the episode, you're going to understand why I came around on this. But it's got nothing to do with these next couple reasons I'm going to give you. But Jack Campbell is a dude that, like, hey, this guy runs a 4'6'40", okay, for his size. He's like six foot five, 240-some-pound linebacker. He runs a 4'6", 37.5 vertical. Everybody went nuts about Richardson's vertical. I mean, this guy's is 37-and-a-half playing linebacker, right? 11-foot broad jump. This guy's football IQ is off the chart. He has the makings of an everyday middle linebacker that could be an all-pro in this league. This kid's going to be a great player. Now, I understand that that's not usually a value at the 18th pick in the first round. You can get guys like this later on in the draft. Clearly, they wanted this guy for the middle. We're 30th against the run. We need to shore up that defensive line. Right now, they're thinking there is a ton of defensive linemen still left in this draft. We're going to get one at the top of the second with that pick we acquired from the Cardinals. Let's grab our mic right now before somebody else at the bottom of the first round gets him. Let's get him right now, and then we'll go D-line at the top of the second, and I think we're in good shape to shore up what we needed. Again, I understand it's not normal for a Mike linebacker, no matter how good they are, to go this high in the first round. I mean, Luke Keekley went like ninth. Everybody's seen those tweets. Everybody's comparing him to him. If he winds up being half of what he was, this pick was worth it. We'll see how the kid develops and what happens, but... I mean, this could be a really good pick. I've come around on this one to trust them and understand this was a need they wanted to grab before somebody else maybe did. And again, we're sitting on that top pick in the second round to get our defensive lineman. But here's where it starts to be draft day, guys, and it starts to go off the rails a little bit, right? The very next pick is Kalijah Canty, who everybody really thought we were going to grab with the 18th pick, defensive lineman out of pit. We didn't, and he goes the very next pick, which is okay. They're not expecting him to be around at the top of the second. They were okay with letting him slide if they took Campbell. That's fine. There's a lot of great guys out there still. I'm going to keep beating that horse, man. Barizi's still out there. Mozzie's still out there. These are guys that can help the interior against the run. Uh, you know, there's still a bunch out there. It's looking good at first. The next four picks are wide receivers, right? We've got 14 picks until we pick. The next four are wide receivers. Okay, you're feeling great. Then a quarterback comes off the board. Then a tight end comes off the board. You're thinking, yes, man, there's only like seven or eight picks left until we're going to get the pick, and there's a bunch of D linemen left. And then it starts to go downhill pretty quick because it's the NFL draft, man, and you don't know what's going to happen. Five of the next eight picks are defensive linemen, and it is dried up by the time we're picking at the top of the second round. This thing is kind of, I don't want to say blown up in your face because it's a good plan. It wasn't a, it wasn't a stupid plan. It was a good plan. But five of eight 
start coming off the board to teams that you had no idea were going to try to take defensive linemen. Like the Cowboys grabbing Mozzie, that was a shock. You know, a lot of guys came off the board you didn't expect to happen. But, hey, it's draft day, right? And a good draft room doesn't go, oh, shit, what do we do now? Now we don't know what to do. How do we pivot? They're prepared for this, man. And Alliance proved that they were prepared for this, and they did their homework, man, because they adjust and they pivot, and the Lions absolutely crush the second round. Now, the Steelers lead off the second round, and with all the defensive linemen dried up, if the Lions were even thinking of trying to grab a corner, there's still one left that was ranked in the top 20 that could have been a first-rounder, Joey Porter Jr., but the Steelers take him off the board, and I don't know if they were thinking about taking him or not, but just something to consider. But anyway, they pivot, and they go right to a need, and they grab the tight end out of Iowa Laporta. This is a great pick, okay? A lot of fans are sitting there thinking, a tight end at the top of the second round, man. Yeah, but you have to understand where we're at right now. The plan, it unfolded in a different way. Those linemen dried up. You got to pivot. We need a tight end really bad, man. That'd be great for Jared Goff and the offense too, which is the engine of this team right now is the offense, right? The offense carries us, carried us in the second half of the season, and we traded away Hawk. So, I mean, a great tight end is absolutely a great pick right there. They grab Laporta. He's the the one they think they want over Meyer. And again, I'm going to trust them on that, and that's fine. Great pick at number 34. Now, we're set to pick again at 48, and we trade up three spots with Green Bay. We swap 45 for, for 48 with them, and we give them pick number 159, right, to move up three spots. And here's where the Lions crush the draft and make me completely okay with drafting Jack Campbell at 18 because at 48, we get the best safety in the draft that absolutely should have been a first-rounder, and he falls all the way to us at 48. I'm sorry, 45, we moved up. He falls all the way to us at 45, and we get Brian Branch out of Alabama, all right? This dude is next level. This dude is great. This is a fantastic pick, and it was a must to move up and get him because if we didn't, the commanders were going to be taking him at 47 right in front of us. They knew it. They moved up. They get him, and this shores up the secondary. I mean, it is going to be all new faces, and it is going to be all legit players in the secondary now. So here's why it makes me okay with the Jack Campbell pick. Uh, you go ahead and, and put Brian Branch up at the 18th pick, and nobody bats an eye. You take Brian Branch at 18, the safety, uh, and nobody bats an eye. Great pick. We needed him. He's rated that high. He's worthy of that spot. Fine. And then give us Campbell at 48. I'm not saying he would have been around, but I'm just saying, in your brain, just swap those two around if you need to adjust where your value of where they got taken was because we scored a legit first-rounder with Branch, and, and that's that's fine. Make it a swap. They crush the second round, and they adjust. Well done. Now the time has come. Now we've got to address the defensive line. You're not worried about the value and all that anymore and what these guys that are left, these certain, you know, these guys that are left are not worthy of these spots you're going to be picking in. You made some great picks in the second round, made made some adjustments on what happened to you in the first round with your plan. You're doing well. It's like a football game, man. You have made the halftime adjustments. You are looking good. And now it is time to get our defensive linemen. And I would bet they have their eye on Tuli Tui Opolotu out of USC. I'm sure I probably didn't say that right, but you know who he is. Kid's a great defensive lineman, a uh, little bit on the young side, needs to get a little bit more experience playing, but would be a great pickup, and I bet we're eyeing him at 55 with our third, second-round pick. 
and he goes at 54 to the Chargers right in front of us. And again, I think the Lions make a good pivot instead of just grabbing the next available defensive lineman there that kind of doesn't fit that spot. Hey, let's trade back again and get a few more picks in that round four to seven, you know, and that's like the meat of the draft, guys. Here's a, here's a quick fact for you. Last year, all the players that started and or played in an NFL game, 65% of those guys were drafted in the fourth through the seventh round or were undrafted free agents. So that is really where you build your team. That is not just talk to get you to leave the channel on and keep watching, you know, round four through seven. That's legit. So moving back, picking up some more uh, picks in, in those rounds and, and moving back to pick number 63 is the move right here. I mean, you're only moving back eight spots and you're going to gain a fourth-round pick you didn't have, and you're picking up a seventh-round pick. Good move. We're sitting at 63, and we're going to move back again, guys. And this time we're just going to move back five spots because, hey, somebody wants to come up and give us some more picks. We're going to go ahead and do that. Again, guys, rounds four through seven, man. These are the guys that, that Holmes and Campbell are really trying to build around attitude-wise. These are usually the guys that come in with the chip on their shoulder. They're trying to prove themselves. They have that grit we're always talking about, right? So why not? Grab a few more. We move back five spots. And then at 68, we're going to take Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. Now, this again had people in an uproar just regurgitating talking points from somebody else, I really feel like. But we'll get to that negative trope everybody was throwing around in a minute, and let's just talk about Hennon Hooker. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine with this pick, man. I'm fine. Everybody's wondering what about a backup QB, right? You want to go pay Teddy Bridgewater a ton of dough? No, I don't want to do that. You know, what about golf? The future, you know, is he the future? Well, here's the future right here, guys, and I don't mean Hooker. I mean, at the position, okay? We won too many games last year to be in competition for the one, two, or three quarterback in this draft, right? We're just not going to spend that draft capital to move up and grab those guys because of how competitive that we are at the moment, right? Meaning, we're good enough to be in win-now mode, guys. We are in win-now mode, right? So trading away all those picks to move up and get some project quarterback to try to learn, and that's not an option for us right now, man. We need those picks to fill some needs because we are in win-now mode. So that's not an option, right? Oh, and over the second half of the season, Jared Goff had the highest QBR in the NFL, and he finished fifth overall for the season, okay? He's only 28 years old, guys, so stay with me now. I hear all of you screaming about, but he's in a contract year, and we don't want to have to pay him a ton of money because he's not that great, and then we're going to be stuck with him, and he's not going to be worth it. And Slow down, guys. Slow down, okay? He's been very good, and he likes it here. All right, let me explain something to you. This guy was in a situation out in L.A. where they were blaming him for everything, and McVay was blaming him for everything, and he was in a very negative situation, and, and some guys don't react well to that. Tom Brady loved that from Belichick, okay? This was not the way Goff enjoyed it. And this guy was picked high in the draft, and then he's being treated like that. Mentally, he was being destroyed. He's not the kind of guy you can bang over the head and scream and yell at, and he's going to take that competitively, right? And then he gets here, and Dan Campbell's you know, patting him on the ass and patting him on the head and telling him, hey, man, chin up, bro. You're great. We love you. We trust you. We think you're great, man. Hey, that's okay. Made a mistake. We don't care. We're going to get you the ball back, and, and we think you can go back out there and get him again, Jared. He's in a very positive situation, and you see how he reacted to that. So I'm going to tell you right now, 
I do not think Jared Goff is going to be a guy that is going to hit the free agent market and try to go cash in on some $50 million a season paycheck to go somewhere else and regress because he winds up in a negative situation and he doesn't do well in that situation. I really think he's a guy that realizes, having been there before, it ain't all about the money. And I've got enough of it, and I'm in a great situation right now where we've got a chance to make some runs at Super Bowls, people think. I'm going to stay right here. And if you want to give me, you know, 38, 41, that's going to be a bargain at this time, guys. He ain't, you know what I mean? If you want to pay him in the high 30s, I think he'll stay. I really do think he will go the Tom Brady route and be like, hey, I'm going to stay in Detroit for 39 mil a year and let's spend the money around the team and let's go try to win. He's comfortable here. He almost lost his whole career out in L.A., and I guarantee you, you mark my words, that guy's going to be willing to stay for a value at quarterback. All right, But that doesn't mean he's going to be worth it. I get it. Maybe he doesn't have a great year this year, but if he does, that is what will happen financially. Now let's get to that trope that everybody's been throwing around about the hooker draft pick, okay? And that's the fact that everybody keeps regurgitating, but it doesn't make sense. He's only three years younger than your guy right now. You mean you drafted a predecessor that's only three years younger than the guy you have? Uh, guys, he's 25 years old, man. Yes, that's three years younger than 28. And just stop and think for a minute, what the hell does that even mean he's three years younger? I mean, what is this new analytic that everybody is using about the age of a drafted backup quarterback compared to the current starter, blah, 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 blah. I don't even understand the point here. Yes, he's only three years younger than your starter. First of all, your starter's not old. Second of all, here's why that makes sense. All right, stay with me now. Number one, nobody knows how QBs will develop, okay? There's nowhere to know who will hit and who won't. Let's just start with that. You don't even know if he's going to be any good or not, okay? Number two, he fits this system really well, all right? He makes good reads. He's a pocket passer. He's got a big arm. He's accurate as hell over the top, okay? He gets over the top really well, all right? If he didn't get hurt, he'd have been drafted way higher than this guy's way. Oh, and number three, I would like to mention that he got hurt during his uh, the last season at Tennessee there, and it ended his season for him, and he was still the SEC Offensive Player of the Year over the number one pick, Bryce Young. So let's just keep that on the back burner as well, okay? His age is a huge benefit for why we drafted him. Yes, he's a little bit older, but we drafted him to be the backup, right? Okay, you want somebody a little more mature, a little more experienced to be able to handle stepping in if Goff gets hurt, right? That's the kind of guy you want on a competitive team. If golf goes down, we need somebody mature, developed, ready to step in to move this team forward because we're in win-now mode, right? You don't want a glossy-eyed, cocky little 21-year-old Zach Wilson type that's a project and we're going to develop him and he's going to be the predecessor. Let's get this right right now. He fits, and we didn't pick him to be the predecessor, guys. We picked him to be a solid backup, and it's a solid pick. I like this pick. And now it's time to move on to pick number 96, our next pick. And now it's time to take a swing at the D-line, guys, okay? Um, we've adjusted. We've bounced around. We haven't felt that there's been a guy there worthy of picking where we're picking. And every time we've been like, well, we're not going to reach right here because there is this available. Henry Hooker is available. The tight end is available. You know what I mean? We can get this safety who should have been a first-rounder. He's available. That all made sense. It was great. But now at 96, it's time to take a swing at D-line because we got to bring somebody in. 
okay? And we got to take a swing at what's left here. And we need a run stopper. Run stopper is a glaring need, and that's exactly what we're going to do right now with the player who's left, and that's Broderick Morton, okay? And they do just that. We're going to spend pick number 122. We're going to spend pick 139. We're going to spend pick 168. We're going to give it to Arizona, all three of them. We're going to give all three of them to Arizona to move up to get this guy because this is what we need right now, man. Now, I personally don't know that it's going to be worth it, all right? I don't know how this kid's going to do. I don't know how this kid will work out. But I will tell you how he fits in the building, and that's through a double door, my man. He is six foot five, three hundred and forty pounds. Okay, he is going to be strictly a first and second down guy for us, short yardage guy for us as well. This is going to be a guy that is going to eat up blocks and clog up gaps up there up front, right? And more importantly, eat up blocks so they can't get to the second level. Let that linebacker you drafted play come down and make some tackles. Okay, but that's going to be his job, right? And that's how this team operates, right? T-E-A-M. That's how they're running things here. So this guy, moving up to get him, fits. This guy's going to know his role. He's going to have to do his job and be a dog. That's how they do it, okay? He's going to know right off the rip, you are not here to sack the quarterback. You won't be in on third down. He's not here to help improve on the three and a half total sacks we had from the interior last year. He's here to help on the 30th ranked rush defense, okay? Especially with Campbell behind him. I mean, this is what they need, right? You spent that pick at 18 for that Mike linebacker that's going to tackle ball carriers. You better put somebody in front of him that's going to eat up blocks. This is a swing here. We will see if it's a hit or if it's a miss. But I think if we're all realistic and we don't expect Warren Sapp here, and we think a little more Gilbert Brown here, I think we're all going to be okay with this come season time. Now, the last two picks we made in the draft, hey, they are what they are, right? These are later round picks. These are guys you're hoping are going to develop in the fifth round. We grab some depth on the offensive line, which is always great. Okay, this kid needs to develop, and he'll get time to do just that. He's coming out of William & Mary, so, you know, competition's going to be a little bit better for him. But uh, this kid, Colby Sorzal, uh, he's a good pick. He's a good pick here, man. This kid could develop into something, at the very least, be some very solid depth for us, and he's got nice potential. All right, there's no immediate need for him, and he should be able to get some reps because I think we're going to be good this year, and I think there's going to be quite a few second halves where we're going to be up a little bit, and this kid can rotate in and play a little bit so that if he is called on, he'll be ready. Um, you know, you can't complain or claim that this was great. This is a kid that's going to have to do some work to get up to the speed and the level of the game right here, but they absolutely think he can, and that's fine. Get some depth on the offensive line, especially if you want to run the ball like the Lions are going to run the ball. So good pick right there in the fifth round. And then in the seventh round, we take a wide receiver, you know, because gambling issues have a lot of receivers dismissed from the team or suspended for a bunch of games, right? Real smart, guys. Anyway, I'm not going to get long-winded on that. So stupid, you know you're not supposed to be doing it. Anyway. On that note, uh, don't forget to tune in for this week's episode of DWMOD All Right Bet. That is also out right now with myself and Andy St. Clair, and we're going to tell you what to bet on. So go on over and check that out as well. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about this kid they drafted. His name's Antoine Green. He was a big over-the-top threat for North Carolina. Uh, you know, he's a big kid at 6'2". Uh, he runs a 4-4. He's got good speed. This is a kid that can get vertical and take the lid off the defense. Won't expect him to play a ton at all. 
I mean, not at all early. And if any, you know, during the season, he's going to play sparingly. He's going to play sparingly. But this is a kid that's got a chance to develop. He's got speed, good hands, and they used him a ton to get over the top at North Carolina. So we'll probably try to put him in those situations too. He can learn some things from Marvin Jones Jr. So, hey, it's a seventh-round pick, man. We'll see what goes on with that. Anyway, that's the Lions draft in a nutshell. Now, I hope I broke it down in some ways that, like, maybe you weren't looking at it from this perspective or maybe you didn't see that, like, these were kind of what was happening behind the scenes. I think it's pretty dead on as to what was happening. And I'm going to give their draft plan. I'm going to give that a solid B. I think it was a great plan. We don't like Carter. If we can't get Witherspoon, I'm assuming, and and Carter falls to us, we're going to pass on him. Let's move back. Let's get our running back that we like, whichever one falls to us. We'll get a pick at the top of the second round. We'll address the defensive line there. I think it was a solid plan. I think it was a really solid plan. I give that plan a B. Um, execution on that plan throughout the first round got away from them. To nothing, not to their fault at, at all, but there was a run on all those defensive linemen. It got away from them. I'll give the first round draft a C just because these are guys I got to see how they're going to play for the value they were picked at. Um, you know, Gibbs has got to show out and Campbell's got to be that everyday middle linebacker. That's a problem for other teams. We'll see. Those are pretty high picks. I hope those guys live up to it, but the second round, uh, B plus, I mean, B plus to pivot on the spot. Your guys aren't there. You make the move to get the tight end. You really need, and this kid's great. A lot of people had him ranked first rounder Laporta. And then you get Brian Branch. I can't, I can't tout that pick enough. I really think that was a fantastic steal. Second round was a solid B. And then moving forward from there, I like Hennon Hooker. I like going out and get some depth on the O-line. Uh, grab a receiver at the end of the draft. I think they they grabbed the defensive lineman when they could, according to value, and trading back. You got some extra picks. Then you traded them back to move up and get the big run stopper that you think you need. I hope that kid pans out. Uh, all in all, at first... I didn't like this draft on day one until I really sat down and started dissecting it and thinking about it and how it was happening live. And the more I look at it and the more I look at the players we got and the needs that we had, I like it. I like it. I think at the end of the day, I give it a solid C+. And a C plus is a really good grade here, man, because it got away from them. You know, the guys you needed were dried up quickly and then you had to adjust. So C plus, B minus here for me. I think they did a good job, and we're expecting big things this year, man. Lions all the way, plus 2,500 for the Super Bowl. I got my bet in on it right now. I'm betting on it right now to win the Super Bowl because when they go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to need a Super Bowl ticket, and when they win, my bet will pay for the ticket I bought. Am I right? Stay with me now. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed it, man. Hope this put some insight in there for you. Also, don't forget, I wasn't kidding. The new episode of All Right Bet is out. We handed you a bunch of baseball winners last weekend. Uh, Andy's giving you three golf winners in a row, I believe, at this point. Um, you know, just tune in, man. Tune in because we're not just telling you who to bet on. We're giving you strategies. We're telling you how to look at it. We're trying to tell you how to get some value, throw a few bucks around here and there, make some money. Anyway, All Right Bet is also up. Wherever you're getting your podcast, guys, and as always, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.